Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I know I don't usually have a lot of Saturday episodes, um, but today we have Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sport to come on, review the uh, full uh, regular season for the Penguins, and then obviously do maybe, maybe a little bit of a small preview of what to expect in the Penguins Rangers series. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguins. So, of course, joining me now is Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Been trying to get her on for at least a good bit now. Glad that we can finally make it happen. Uh, Taylor, you know, the regular season is over. Uh, penguins, Rangers, which something I think we've known for, I think, the last three months, something like that. Um, it's going to be a pretty interesting series. We'll obviously get into that a little later on in the show. But, you know, in terms of the regular season, was there anything really that I guess, surprised you about the team or that didn't surprise you, maybe? I mean, honestly, just that they they made the playoffs. I feel like, what, the past two, three years, people are saying, you know, this is the year the streak ends. I think when we did our own previews uh, coming into the mm-hmm. season on our own podcast, um, I think I said, you know, this is the year that maybe the Penguins don't make it. But um, I think just, you know, the disparity between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams, no one expected that, you know, for the Penguins to have, you know, 100-point season. So, um just that, you know, with the core aging that they were able to make it, I think, is, is a surprise uh, to some level. Yeah, I mean, it, it is always a bit interesting, you know, when people do pick them to miss it. Because I'm like, when when it happens, then I'll maybe be more believable, I guess, with it. But, you know, I, I did understand this just because the Islanders were coming back and they were expected to be really good again. And then you have the Rangers who improved and, you know, Washington's still there and all that. And so, heck, some people even picked Philadelphia to be good and you know, some of those didn't pan out. Some of them did, but um, the Penguins were able to have those really strong four months, I guess, after the month of October where they were mowing over teams. Um, but, you know, one player that I guess didn't really play well this year is, you know, Kasperi Captain. You know, he's definitely, I think, a, a player that, you know, I, I hate ragging on someone like that too much. You know, I don't want to kick someone when they're down a lot. You know, it's just, I, it really came, I think, to a head last night, you know, in the game 5-2. The game is basically over. Kapanen takes a really dumb penalty and then puts the Jackets right back into the game. And, you know, you have pe- you know people like Bob Grove, who I obviously love saying it's time for, you know, maybe some players to come up from Wilkes-Barre. Um, do you think we're at a point now where Mike Sullivan potentially healthy scratches him in the postseason despite, you know, the injury to, J- to Jason Zucker? Yeah, I mean – towards the end of the regular season, I understand why we didn't see it more often just because they, they literally just did not have the cap space to bring up any extras. So it, it kind of forced their hand, but yeah, at this point, I really just don't see a spot for him in the mm-hmm. lineup. He's, he hasn't been able to find chemistry with guys in the top six. Um, and he's just really not a guy who contributes much in the bottom six. He's not someone that you're getting a lot of on the special teams. And that's something that's really important when Sullivan's putting together his line combinations. And now that, um, you know, there's no salary cap, no roster limits. There are guys in Wilkes-Barre who would make for better bottom six options and could, you know, potentially contribute on the PK and, and stuff like that. So I think at this point, Kappen might, you know, might be 
sitting in, in the playoffs. So I, w- I was surprised they didn't play him in, in Philly when, when they did healthy scratch him towards being mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, his, his dad was in town and I, I he was Sammy Kapanen. Um, he was, he came over from Finland. He was there at the game. Um, and you know, figure, you know, if you're going to get any, something out of Kapanen, it, w- it would have been that game, but um, it doesn't seem like motivation really was the factor in this at all. It's not that Ka- Kapanen doesn't care. I, I, I know I see people, you know, saying that um, it, it, it just not, it hasn't been clicking with him, but yeah, it's not for an, a lack of effort or, or not caring. So um, I don't know. I, I'd bring up someone from Wilkes-Barre at this point. Yeah, something just seems off. You know, he obviously had that great year last year, lights up training camp, lights up the preseason. Everyone's expecting, you know, so many great things to happen with him. And, you know, Mike Sullivan's calling him, I think, an elite player at times. And then this happens and he makes $3.2 million after the season. I have to assume the Penguins are not going to pick up that uh, qualifying offer to him and he'll probably be a UFA. Um, and, you know, speaking of Wilkes-Barre, you know, obviously, Taylor, you know, you you follow them very much so um, as, as one of the reporters. Who are you looking to call up? Is it, you know, Drew O'Connor, who's off his injury, redeems a Horna? Is it Valtteri Pustin? You know, who who would you be looking to potentially re- replace him as either a, in the lineup or as like a 13th forward as like insurance? Yeah. Uh, so if we're looking at someone in the bottom six, I'd go with Drew O'Connor. Uh, pretty clear. I, he's... I think he's been ready uh, for for a while now for that kind of role. It's something, you know, he can fill. He's a role, you know, power forward type. Um, he's better suited for a third, fourth line role over over someone like Kapanen. When he got sent down after his, uh, it, it was a reported collapsed lung, um, Sullivan said one of the things they were hoping to see from him um, is just, to learn how to kill penalties, because again, that is, like I said, something that's very important when, when figuring out which forwards are going to be in the lineup. Um, learning how to do that at the NHL is not the easiest transition. So yeah, that was one something they were really looking for him to do. Um, it's not something he did a whole lot early on during his time in Wilkes-Barre, but he has become one of the more regular uh, penalty killing forwards in Wilkes-Barre, and, and he's, he's been good at it. Wilkes-Barre's penalty killing has been great. So I, I think he's ready. I, one of the reasons we didn't see him come up, you know, towards the end, even when they did have the cap space when McGinn was on long-term IR, they did not have the cap space for for O'Connor um, because he had, you know, up to 850000 in in potential bonuses. And you can't, when you're calling up someone on uh, using LTIR, you have to have the room for their bonuses, even if they don't hit it. So it literally was not possible for O'Connor to come up before on now. So, um, now that it is possible, I think we finally see him. Uh, he would be my first pick. Zahorna would probably be my my second one for a bottom six role, but um, it seems like his pace conditioning has been the concern Sullivan has with him, um, being able to sustain that pace. Um, Zahorna, he, he had a really tough start to the season. He was sick for about a month or so. It wasn't COVID. They didn't know what it was. Um, and even when Zahorna did come come back he he said he wasn't feeling right for for a while um and it really did affect his conditioning and his ability to maintain that kind of pace um and then even towards later in the season it sounded like Sullivan still had concerns just with his ability to play with pace um and then yeah Pustin would be my, my third pick it, I, I wish you would have seen more of him at the time um beyond just the one game he had a good game Sullivan seemed to really like it um I don't know if uh, bottom six role is, you know, something they see him being in long, long term. He's more of, you know, a top, top six winger, but um, his, his defensive game is not 
an issue at all. He's not a liability. He actually is very good for Wilkes, very defensively. Something J.D. Forrest has told me a bunch of times is, you know, they're not afraid to put him out there in any situation. Um, you know, if it's in the defensive zone, those kinds of situations. So, um even with his size, he's pretty small. But um, yeah, he, I, I think he could, he could be in that kind of role, but I, I, he would not be my first pick. Yeah, and you know, I, I know the cupboard is obviously very small, I, I guess, down there just because the Penguins' prospect pool is it's not compared to some of these other teams. But you know, for a team that's definitely had their legs have not been what they were early on in the year, you know, I think some fresh, you know, legs, especially in for a playoff game or two, I think could go. A long way. I mean, I liked what I saw from O'Connor at the beginning of the year. I mean, he was putting up some goals and looked like a completely different player compared to what we saw last year, where it looked like he wasn't going to be a fit mm -hmm. in the NHL. But you know, went back down to Wilkesbury. It looks like played really well. And then you know, even after the injury, he's he's played well. So I, I do hope that you know, one if not all three of those players come up at some point. But I feel like Wilkesbury is going to want to use them for their playoffs right now, at least to start. Um, and then you know, maybe if the Penguins say they go down 0-2 going back home to, to PPG. Um, I feel like they could potentially use a call up there, but um, I'm not super sure. I just, I know that captain is just, he, he's not what he once was and he's just, he's hurting the team. I think in all three zones at this point, um, another player though, that I think could be starting to turn it around tail before we get to a commercial break. Um, Evan Rodriguez, I, he had a great game. I thought against Columbus, you know, for the last game of the regular season, you know, it's been a tale of two seasons for him. First half looked like a player that you probably wanted to give five million to. You'd run into a, you probably want to throw yourself in a car in front of a car for him. And then the second half of the season, you you just want to basically drive him to the nearest train station or something. Um, but that game last night was really good. I mean, he was getting a lot of great looks. I thought got that goal, hit the crossbar a couple of other times, and of course my puppy over here is still doing a couple little whines. I'm sure he's yeah whatever. Um, but I still think, you know, if, if they can get the first half level Rodriguez back for the playoffs, in my opinion, he's probably better than anyone in the Rangers bottom six. And I know they've improved down there after the deadline, but I think that's a big deal for Pittsburgh um, if they can get that level of playback from him. Yeah, even if it's not, you know, that, that first half level of Evan Rodriguez, just somewhere in the middle because the drop off was so steep. Um, between the first half and the second half for him. So even if they can just get him going a little bit, um, would just be huge for them to get that that kind of depth scoring. Because what his goal um, in the in the regular season finale that was only I believe his fourth in his last forty nine games, and it, it was just insane. Given you know the way he looked, you know in the first half and the what he was doing for them on the top power play, I I, I was comparing him to like Ovechkin a lot because I mean like half jokingly, but just the one timers from the left circle they were getting from him on the on the power play. It's like maybe this guy should be an all star. But then yeah, second half of the season it's just hard to you know, figure out what happened for to him. Um, you know, he was talking a lot early, you know, in the first half about how it he was just attributing everything to confidence. And when you're confident, you know, it just shows on the ice. So it's like did his confidence wane at all? It, it, it's hard to really say. I, he, I mean, he didn't really have answers. I know he said, you know, when he did get put in a bottom six role, uh, focusing on, you know, his defensive game became more of a priority. But that that doesn't ex explain just the, you know, the four goals in 49 games. Um, but, yeah, we, we saw, you know, a little bit of that first half, Evan Rodriguez come back in the regular season finale, just the goal. But then the chances he was getting, he was getting a couple of those one-timers from the left circle, too. You know, <laughs> flashes the first half, Evan Rodriguez. So 
if they can just get him going you know, at all going into the playoffs uh, that would be huge and and he did sound confident talking after after that game and um, how it's a you know clean slate and it's just a whole different mentality going into the playoffs I'm not sure how he would know coming from Buffalo but uh <laughs> but I mean he seems you know pretty hyped about it but um yeah expecting uh, big things from him yeah and I mean you know that I remember like that biggest one time that I really remember from the season is the one against the St. Louis Blues where they had that 3-1 comeback in the third and um, he rifled that from the left circle I was like wow okay that was a Alex Ovechkin goal over there and if he could keep doing that that would be um, very much appreciated. Um, he hit the crossbar, I think, on one of those chances. Mm-hmm. Last night, hit a couple other saves by Merz Leakins that um, probably were going to be goals. But, you know, talk about someone that really needed a bounce to go his way just because it has not been there for him right now. Still a lot more to get to for this show, uh, for this bonus episode, I should say. But before we get to that, uh, summer's coming. And with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags and your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you are, fu- you are fueled with your for your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and they are delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food or health. With Built Bar, you can have both and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order right now. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Again, there's an offer. You can go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, Taylor, you know, going into the playoffs, I think, you know, one of the Penguins' biggest questions is, you know, the goaltending as it has been the last few years. They haven't gotten, you know, near the level of goaltending that they got in 2016, 2017. Obviously, this year doesn't help that their starter is banged up going into this. Um, I was going to ask you, Taylor, is there any really big update on Tristan? Last I think I, I was listening to Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show the, a couple of days ago, and he said the Penguins are crossing their fingers that he'll be available at some point in this series. I think he was the, I think he's been the only person to report that. Is there anything really that's going on with him or is it just dead quiet right now? Yeah. I mean, there's not much of an update. Sullivan just said, you know, he's going through the rehab process. He hasn't been back on the ice yet, but I mean, as far as, you know, crossing their fingers, that, that does kind of, that I think stem from some, something Sullivan said himself after a practice where, um, you know, it was maybe about a week ago, someone asked a question about, um, you know, something about, you know, to Smith, if he is, you know, the starter for game one, what they're hoping to see from him. And Sullivan did say, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And he said, you know, Jari is going through, you know, the rehab process. So I, I'm not going to see Jari for, for game one, given that he hasn't been back on the ice. But the fact that Sullivan was that optimistic at that time leads me to believe that, you know, he, he might not be out. Uh, if they make a run, uh, they might see him back at some point here. I mean, yeah, that's that's obviously the biggest player they need to get back. It's been over a little over two weeks since that reported broken bone um, in his foot. That's just it was such a killer injury because there was like such little time left in that game, and they get a garbage time goal, and he finishes the game. It looks fine, and then he's out of practice. And you know, that's just that's the one injury that they couldn't afford. It'll be Casey DeSmith. It looks like starting game one, and you know, Taylor, he's been mostly pretty good. I would say since taking over, honestly, for the last month to six weeks. Um, he's really turned his game around. This was someone that, you know, I think everyone was ready to drive to the airport <laughs> in January and February where um, I think I saw a quote. Um, I think it might have been you that said, you know, or, or you asked him. And I think he said that was like the lowest point 
in his NHL career with how he was playing. Um, what is your confidence level in him going into a series against the Rangers, a team that has, you know, they've had the Penguins number at least this season? I mean, when you look at who they're going up against in Shesterkin, I, I the Penguins were going to be an underdog either way in this, and now with Casey, um, I, I'm not confident that he's going to be able to, you know, steal them a game where maybe Jari would have if Jari was on top of his game. I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, he, Casey, he really has turned his game around. That turnaround really happened. Um, I want to say it was after the game in Columbus in January. Uh, when he came back from COVID, that was really his last, you know, bad game. And then he started that next game against Detroit. It was an overtime loss, but that really did kind of mark the turnaround from him, for him. I mean, before that, you know, he was he got yanked, I think, like twice in a row. Um, really tough. It looked like Louis was maybe going to steal his job, but then Louis had the foot injury too. So it uh, kind of opened the door for, for Casey to keep that backup job. But um, it just his turnaround since then, so what, that would have been like late January, it, it, it really has been um, – it, it, he's been a capable backup. Um, I, I – I'm not confident in, in him as a starter going into the playoffs, but he's he's proven himself as a backup. I I would feel a whole lot better about the Penguins' chances if, if they had Jari. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the worst thing is just that you know this was his time to really write his redemption arc after what happened last year, where he was probably the biggest reason they lost against the Islanders. He was this close to being ready for the playoffs, and you know, it's just I gotta feel for someone like that because you know I'm sure he was looking forward to really getting the trust back from the fan base, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, I think for the Penguins, you know, in this series, you know, they're going to have to really defend well in front of DeSmith. Um, you know, it's an area that I don't think they did well against the Rangers in their three losses. Um, I think a lot of them were self-inflicted wounds. And, you know, just speaking of that series, Taylor, I mean, uh, I, I really do think Sullivan's going to have to make some adjustments to what happened in those three games just because the Rangers burned them in, you know, transition on the rush. Um, and, you know, I feel like the Penguins are just going to have to play, I guess, a more lower event style to beat a team like the Rangers. And, you know, with how the Rangers play, I kind of compare them to like, not like a full Barry Trotz coached Islanders team, but like, I guess a mini version of them because they're not going to give the Penguins much. And so the Penguins, they're going to have to actually fire the puck when they have it. You, you can't be looking for the perfect play. You can't be look, trying to be the Harlem Globetrotters over here because, you know, that's what it looked like in those three losses. It looked like Shisterkin was in their head and they were just trying to find that perfect play to beat him. But if you just get traffic in front of him, you make his life, you know, a living hell. I mean, there's there's opportunities to be had there. You know, what, what do you think? you know, what do you think the Penguins need to do to win this series? Do you have like a style of play that you think they need to adjust to? Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, the, what the players and Sullivan set up for the regular season, season finale when this was locked in, um, they talked about the Rangers speed, their ability to play all four lines. You know, they are a deep team, but the thing everyone um, kept mentioning, like you said, is the Rangers ability transition game and ability to score off the transition. Um, so just going to be about, you know, be playing tight defensively. Sullivan talked a lot about um, the forwards and the defensemen having trust in each other and supporting each other. Um, you know, he said sometimes what might look like an ill-advised pinch by a defenseman might just be when there's a disconnect between the forwards and defensemen and what the forwards role in, in supporting defensemen, what was supposed to happen there. So it's just going to be, be about, you know, having that synergy and that trust between the fours and the defensemen to, to shut down the Rangers um, 
transition game. And also, I mean, they're, the Rangers' power play is obviously so dangerous, too. So the, the PK, that's going to be huge. Um, I mean, the, the regular season series, what they, they only scored one even strength goal yeah. against the Rangers, and it was Brian Boyle. So I don't think you're going to be getting a ton of, you know, five-on-five um, offensive contributions from Brian Boyle. You're going to need, you know, the other guys to step up, too, in these games. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a tough challenge. Shesterkin probably going to be, you know, the biggest challenge beating him. Feels like they, the Penguins have been running to hot goalies in the playoffs for a while now, and Shesterkin's going to be another big challenge. It is crazy. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, going back to even 2016, heck, even 2014, you know, Lundqvist, 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 Holpe, Bobrovsky, who was one of the best goaltenders in the league before he wilted down the playoffs, Ilya Sorokin, Robin Leonard, who was playing well in 2019. And now, you know, you're going up against a guy who saved 37 goals above expected this year, and he's probably going to win the Vezina. And he's probably a hard trophy finalist on yeah. a lot of people's ballots. So, it's just, it really, it's pretty, it is crazy that they go up against arguably the best goaltender in the league um, almost every year yeah. Um, in the playoffs. But yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, I mean, I'm not, I guess, fully confident as I once was maybe about six weeks ago, but you know, it's for the playoffs for a reason. They reset and you know, that's what happens there. Um, so a little more to get to for this episode coming up in our final segment. But before we get to that, you know, let's get to Bet Online. It's your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Benline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. So, Taylor, you know, going into the playoffs, and I, I, I probably, I've probably said that about five, six times on this episode now, whatever. Um, one player that definitely has caught my eye a bit lately who is – I'm surprised that struggled. Brian Rust um, was a man on a mission going into these final ten games of the season, and then all of a sudden, goose egg, goose egg, goose egg, goose egg, goose egg, all those in a row – and I don't know if he's banged up, but, you know, he's been missing the net on a lot more chances than normal lately. His uh, passing, I, I think, is also taking a step back. I know they tried to reunite him with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, try to see if that's going to help him. And, you know, in my opinion, I think he should play with Evgeny Malkin to put Ricard Raquel up there. We'll obviously get to that in just a second. Um, are you concerned at all um, for him going into the playoffs? Or, you know, is this you know, something that's probably going to turn around relatively quickly here because he, you know, he was one of their best players this year, 58 points in 60 games, uh, 55 points for 60, one of the team leaders. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so, you know, he might be banged up. I, I feel like everyone's going through something this time of year, but I, nothing stands out about him that would lead me to believe he's playing injured. But, um, yeah, he he has gone, gone cold, and that did coincide with um, – around the time when, when they put him back with Malkin and I think putting him back up on the top line was, was uh, breaking up, you know, Raquel in that line, you know, they'd been going, you know, playing so well together. And I think putting Russ back up there was just, you know, trying to get Russ to get his game going again. Um, we really haven't seen that payoff since, you know, since they made that change. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the lines and if, you know, putting him back with, with Malkin and whoever Malkin's other winger is, depending on who's healthy. Um, yeah. if, if that gets them going again, it, it's hard, it's hard when we don't know who the other winger is with Malkin. Um, 
you know, when Zucker's going to be back, if, if, you know, he's able to play there. But, um, I mean, it's definitely concerning, but I think that given, I mean, the playoffs, it, again, it's a whole different ball game, whole different mentality going in. Guys are, you know, getting up to a different level for that, um, just mentally. It's, it's, it's like a reset. So maybe that alone can help spark Russ's game. But, you know, the line combinations, I think, are going to be a big part of what happens with him. Yeah, I mean, and that would be big. I mean, he's going into a contract year. He's obviously yeah. going to make a ton of money um, by even if it's not the Penguins. Someone will probably throw Zach Hyman level money um, at him. He's been that good for the last few years, but he's again, he's definitely someone that I, I want to see more of going into the playoffs, just because I didn't expect him to struggle this much um, down the stretch. And you know, speaking of those, the, the line juggling, Taylor, um, I do think I would want to see Raquel back up with Gensel and Crosby. I mean, there are 5v5 expected goals and shot attempts for and scoring chances for were through the roof and they're very limited time of action. And, you know, Raquel just seemed like a seamless fit with Sid. You know, he always said that when he had the puck on his stick, um, they were creating scoring chances at will. And I potentially think that could give the Penguins um, and maybe a little bit of an edge over uh, the Rangers, whoever they're icing out, out against the Crosby line. Um, is that something you would look to Mike Sullivan to change going into the series? Or do you think he's going to stick with Rust up there? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the So the Penguins didn't have a practice today, so it's mm-hmm. hard to see what they're what they're going to, you know, try. But, I mean, you figure these last couple games, they were looking for something consistent. Um, it, no more experimenting. They were trying to find consistent lines, what they're going to use going into the playoffs. So that leads me to believe that maybe Russ sticks up on the top line. I, I personally, like like you, I would like to see Raquel back up there. Just the way that the chemistry he had with Carl immediately when he got here. The the first, you know, chance he – it was before he was even on Crosby's line. It was like that, that game where they teamed up for three goals and they were only on the ice for like two minutes together just from overlapping. It was that overtime win. Um, the way, you know, Raquel was able to find Crosby and on the ice uh, – they just had immediate chemistry and it did cut once they finally got extended time together, it, it really paid off. And um, Russ, we know has had, you know, chemistry with Malkin in the past. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, they were fine putting Raquel up on the top line and, and making that shift initially. I would like to see them go back to that. If, if um, you know, Russ uh, can get his game going with Malkin. Um, but if they think he needs to be up there with Sid, I don't know if we're going to see that, that change to see uh you know, for us. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm definitely be curious to see if, you know, Mike does the flip flop and maybe some other line uh, combinations in the bottom six, maybe Danton Heining comes up. He had a great year. Um, I definitely think he's going to be someone that can make a difference in the playoffs with his 18 goals. Um, another player who I still think they need to have success, Taylor, they need Jason Zucker back and it's approaching Bo Bennett territory at this point. I hate saying that because mm-hmm. you know, poor Bo Bennett poor guy got freaking hurt celebrating a goal. I mean, <laughs> once upon a time, um, I feel bad for laughing about that, but whatever. Um, but you know, gets hurt a couple games ago. Um, Mike Sullivan, very coy about it. You're not going to really get, I think a lot of information this time of year um, from honestly any team. I mean, you know, you look at Nashville, if you see Soros, nothing has come out about that other than, you know, they may not be confident that he might be ready for part of the series. Um, but um, I guess the question is, twofold, is, is there a concern that it's related to the core muscle injury that he had? And, you know, just how much of a loss would it be if he's not able to be in the lineup for at least part of the series? Yeah, I mean, Sullivan, so there's there's no update on, on Zucker yet. Um, 
Sullivan wouldn't say whether it's related to his core muscle surgery. So um, it's hard to say. And I mean, looking at that game when he went out, it's not like anything happened, um, like a big collision or, you know, he didn't get like go down and then go off. He just kind of left the ice. No one saw what happened to him. So it's really hard to say what it is at all. We know it's lower body. Lower body could be that core muscle. Um, you go back to when he came back against Minnesota and got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, he did talk after that. Zucker did talk after that, and he kind of made it seem like that re-aggravated or re-injured the core muscle um, surgery, whatever the issue was there. So I don't, I don't know if that was then something he was having to deal with once he came back after that second injury, or was. It's hard to say. They're so secretive about this. Um, but, yeah, it, that would be a, a tough loss. I mean, just for the, the scoring depth, um, you would like to see him on that on that second line if he's healthy um, and get going with it. – it's hard, it's hard to say what they're going to be missing without him just because they have been missing him for most of the year, it feels like. Um, and when he has been in the lineup, it's been sporadic. But, you know, when he has been in, he has had flashes of, you know, real <laughs> – contribution so i mean it's but then he has gone cold at other times so it's hard to say what exactly version of jason zucker they're missing or what they would be getting if he is in but i mean if they can get jason zucker you know at his best um i mean that would be huge um for being able to you know shift you know the other forwards down and get more balanced scoring throughout the lineup but i know it's hard to say what they're missing because they have been missing jason zucker much of the year yeah, I just I feel bad for the guy. I mean, yeah. it's just every time he comes back, it's just some, something else comes up. I mean, you know, the last one of the last goals he scored, you know, that was the tying goal, I think, against the Predators that sent that to OT oh, before uh, Sid had his magic happen. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably one of their best four truckers on the team. He's a great fit next to Evgeny Malkin, especially. Um, I, I think Gino could definitely use him um, as a winger, to say the least. Um, I got one more thing here for uh, for you, Taylor, before we wrap up. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Do, do you have a prediction for how this is gonna go? I mean, I know a lot of people are definitely not as confident right now, just because the team has not played well for these last two or three weeks. They look gassed, uh, fatigued. They just, their legs are not there. Defending wise, it has not been there. Their numbers have gone way up. They're, they've usually, I think, been a top five um, um, goals against team for this year and defensively. Um, how do you see this series sh- shaking out? Because, you know, I, I read a couple previews today and, it, you know, it's still to me, it seems like a coin flip. I'll, I'm going to go with Rangers in six. Um, I don't think, you know, they're going to get swept, you know, or anything like mm-hmm. that. I think, you know, the Penguins will at least be able to get a game here. Um, I don't know, maybe two. I, I don't see them making it out of this series. I mean, it is going to be a whole different ball game in the playoffs, and you know they're they're one in three record against the Rangers. It's easy to see something like that change. Um, I just think that you know they're they're going into this as the underdog, uh, regardless, and without your number one goaltender, I just can't. I, I don't see them making it out of this series. I mean, the goaltending matchup: DeSmith versus Shesterkin. <laughs> I, 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 it would, it would take a lot for the Penguins to overcome, you know, just that. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to give my prediction just yet because mm-hmm. I have to do the crossover with the Rangers guy, and that's where I'm going to make my prediction. But um, right now, I'm, I'm not leaning the right way. 
uh, to say the least. I, the way I was feeling after that one nothing win, that first matchup, uh, it's definitely not there anymore to say the least. This is going to be very tough for the Penguins to win. And, you know, if they don't win, there's potential <laughs> big changes, I think, coming to uh, the organization, I think, on the ice and potentially off the ice. But, uh, Taylor, I, I really appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to have to do this some point in the playoffs or, you know, or during the offseason going into next season. Um, if by some ridiculous reason why people do not follow you on social media for Penguins content, and I can't think of one, at least for me, um, just plug your socials um, for everything with that. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Haas, H-A-A-S-E-P-G-H is my Twitter. That's where I post everything. And then uh, DKPittsburghSports.com is the website. Uh, obviously, you can look at my author page on there. A lot of, a lot of Penguins content, a lot of Penguins prospect content. Um, you know, AHL, college, junior, Europe. That's what I love doing. So that's where you can find my stuff. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, be obviously, you know, Wilkesbury and all the, the prospects will be doing in their playoffs right at the time as the Penguins will be. So it's always, you know, good time for all everything involving the Penguins organization. Um, uh, for, for this podcast, next episode looks like we'll probably be Monday. We'll have the crossover with. Um, uh, oh, I almost forgot the Rangers guy just had a baby. So I think it's going to be Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. So congratulations to John. Um, he will not be. Um, on the show, but um, for the full series, we're going to have some other people coming on to do analysis and all that. So again, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on and I'll talk with you all in a couple days.